are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 12th of December, and we've got a pretty packed show because we had both the Game Awards as well as PlayStation Experience, as well as that Curse of Osiris thing. So we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. We may get somebody else join us partway through. Motherfucker was supposed to be here by now, but he's not. Thank you, Sean. So we'll just proceed without him for the time being. Now, for the Game Awards, we're not actually going to be talking about who won what, because we're going to be doing our, you know, year wrap up next week. So we are only going to be discussing it in terms of what was announced and things like that. And fuck the Oscars, because how can you not talk about that? <laughs> and then, of course, the PlayStation experience. So, Joe, I'm going to let you take over with uh, Game Awards. Right. So there was actually a lot of games announced with exclusives or, uh, strangely enough, like these first looks at the game awards which honestly i did not expect especially with the uh, i believe today later on tonight is actually as we're recording this is the bandai namco uh sort of event presser going on and i think the the nintendo one's coming up soon too uh specifically the breath of the wild one yeah that's isn't that this week actually i think it is this week as well yeah i think so like the fact that we got announcements pertaining to well both of these companies the video game awards was a little weird but we'll get to that in a minute uh one of the new games that was announced was world war z which if you like zombies great if you don't well you're probably not going to be very interested uh but it seems to be more based on the book and and sort of the stories contained therein as opposed to the movie which actually interests me because the book was far superior to the movie in, in every capacity Oh, the book was amazing. And Max Brooks, if you haven't checked it out, his Fresh Air interview is phenomenal. Yeah, and and because it looks like they're following sort of what is contained therein, it might actually have a decent story. It might actually have, you know, something worthwhile, which is, you know, when you have a zombie game, it kind of does matter at this point because there's so many damn zombie games. So, we'll And and that's what I wanted to ask, though. (laughs) As interesting as it looked in the little twist with, well, they move fast, which, whatever. Did it mean anything to you? Because it really meant absolutely nothing to me. Because we've been flooded with too many zombie games for way too many years. It Potentially. It depends on what the gameplay is going to be like. And it depends on and, and what they pull from the, the actual story of the book. And again, that's because this is a story-driven podcast, folks. Um that I tend to care about a little bit more. And I think you can have a zombie game that actually is engaging, that has gameplay that is entertaining uh, and has a story that means something, or at least draws you in. But without all three of those things with basically balanced properly, you have generic zombie game number 17, which you can just buy, you know, whatever zombie assets on the unity engine store and just make your own down to it. So I'm interested to see what they do from that front. So I will be watching it uh, to see what happens with it. I'm not over the top excited, cautiously optimistic. 
from there, there was another one, which was a little bit weird, which was, uh, well, do you ever see the game Job Simulator? Of course I have. I've <laughs> done the demo. Well, well, now there's Vacation Simulator, and that's going to be... Uh, it's going to be coming to all of the major systems in 2018. So you're, you know what the thing, experience of being on vacation. You know what the thing that's good about these games and the reason why they are as popular as they are, because clearly when you get in and, and dick around kind of thing, you know, it's not, it's not a traditional game. It's very much again, an experience. And that's something that was mentioned a few times during uh, uh, the PlayStation experience thing, of course, because they talked a lot about uh, PSVR and different games that are coming out. And we'll get into that later. But it was that idea of it was uh, it was Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty who was talking about it during an interview, how he's a lot more interested in, in those experiences, the one that you've never experienced this before. That's what's fun about VR. So it doesn't have to be a game. It just has to be something that puts you in that completely different mindset that you're like, this is fucking awesome. And job similar simulator, sorry, is, is that it's goofy. It's irreverent, but it works so well, (laughs) you know, it's for what it is. It just works and you can dick around. You can do all kinds of stupid shit and you don't have to feel like you've accomplished anything much like a real job and (laughs) just kind of have fun. So I'm not saying that I would buy this other one, but I can certainly see the appeal. I'm actually, I like that type of stuff because I'm in that same camp too. VR to me isn't a gaming thing. It is an experience thing. It's something that I want to have experiences or fun, cool little things with. I don't necessarily have to have a full sit down game. And again, that's partially because I don't have time anymore. (laughs) Like I used to for some of these things. So, but giving me a cool experience that I can, you know, putz around with and drop in and out of that goes a long way with me. So these types of games are fun. Oh, yeah. My gaming moment of the year, we'll talk about it next week, is in VR. And it wasn't a huge moment, but it was all of a sudden you're in a different mindset. And it's like, holy fucking hell, this is why VR is awesome. So, yeah, Yeah, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Now, from there, we also got a little bit of a teaser. And this is something that we've all been sort of looking for if you've been a fan of the Dark Souls and Bloodborne games. Well, it looks like From Software is up to their old tricks again or new tricks, uh, but we've only got a 30 second teaser to go off of. And three words shadows die twice. I'm really, really fucking curious what this game's about. I love Dark Souls. I love Bloodborne. I, and if, if this is produced in such a way that it comes to, like, you know, let's say the Switch as well as the other systems, I will be a really happy camper because I fucking love the shit they do. And that weird bone and muscle yeah. sinew thing, it was just enough to make me go, what the fuck are you doing from? What's uh, what's funny is that I was watching that with uh, with my son. We were watching it, and, and he's a massive Dark Souls fan. And so he was, like, excited, thinking, oh, it's, it's the next Bloodborne. And I was saying, you know, they actually announced... I'm almost positive that they are actually working on a new IP. Yeah, this is a brand new IP. So, yeah, who knows what it's going to? Yeah, but they didn't say that trailer was for a new IP, did they? I didn't hear that. No, they. This was. This isn't after we talked about this uh, either last episode or an episode before last one, where From Software stated that their next game that they were released was going to be a new IP. Oh, and okay. In, so this is sort of the follow-up announcement of it so my i'm I'm assuming here i'm making that assumption 
that this is going to be that new IP because they're not they, while they are working on probably a Bloodborne in the background, we've heard nothing of it. Um, and I think that has to do a lot with the exclusivity of it being on Sony uh, versus Dark Souls, which is literally everywhere. And Dark Souls story is done. I don't think they want to hamstring themselves anymore and, and sort of had that console exclusivity. So I don't think we'll see a Bloodborne until it can be put on other systems besides PS4. At least that's my 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 thought process on. That's it's possible. It's possible. From there, we also got a surprise announcement, at least to me, and I'm I'm sure to you guys as well, from the creators of Firewatch. Well, we got a new game, and it's called In the Valley of the Guys, and it's about exploring tombs in Egypt, but not modern day. It doesn't look like looking from the technology that they showcased that the characters were using. This is like Lawrence of Arabia. Can almost. I talk about it? Can I, can I please, can I, can I have this one? Yeah, can I, <laughs> this is fucking amazing. This is a gorgeous. I mean, they took their formula for Firewatch and just ran with it, improved it. It was just absolutely stunning. And what was really awesome was that it's not just that it is um, visually pleasing, but as we've said with many games before kind of thing, when the developers get the style of the art to match so beautifully and perfectly with what we perceive to be the, the theme of the game, it just creates something magical. And here you have these two women, Rashida and Zora, and it's uh, 1928, and they are among the first um, documenter, uh, document, documentary filmmakers. And they are in Egypt, and they are doing this documentary on their what it is that they're they're trying to excavate, and. It just sounds fantastic. Everything that I've I've read about it, I've read a couple of little articles about it. Some is speculation because we don't have anything yet, but some is from conversations with devs, which, fuck, we got to get some of those on here to talk about this game. <laughs> but it's, again, it's at that time when you had documentary filmmakers not always presenting the truth about what they were filming for the sake of a better documentary that would be more gripping and things like that. And so there's there's a period of time here wherein the filmmakers are trying to be um to be presenting something really good and authentic and and real, but they're also in the same time frame as you have these iconic primarily men in the industry who, you know, are using a little trickery sometimes in order to present something that's a little bit more interesting. Not like we can understand that in today's political climate either. It just sounds really, really, really fucking cool, especially when you kind of dig into it a little bit more and find out more about the, again, some of the reasons why they came to this point and how they got from Firewatch to Egypt. And it's because of one woman who's now working there again, Super interesting stuff, and I'm I'm gonna be reaching out to them because I and they know we love them. <laughs> Fuck, they have to know we love them. So I'm really hoping we can get some of them on here to discuss the story because it just sounds so fucking awesome. Yeah, and, and the visual for it too. Like there is this moment in the trailer where 
and like you said, like even without knowing anything about it, you knew that it took place during the the twenties or thirties because of the technology that they were using, because of yeah. what happened. Because and there's this beautiful scene where they they they're capturing the sunrise uh, at this one particular point, and the screen flips to this black and white flicker of the film for like a split second, and I'm just like, yes, yep, you you have my attention. Yeah, definitely. The woman, by the way, is uh, Claire Hummel. And uh, she has worked, done concept art for Bioshock Infinite, uh, Abduction, Westworld VR, and some other stuff. But she is the one that has been fascinated with Egypt and studied it as well, post-secondary. Like, she's bringing a lot to the table, which means that if we tack that onto the, the, the greatness that is Camposanto and what they do for games, oh, man. I, I can't wait to see. The only downside is it got to the end of the trailer and it was like 2019 and I'm like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> now, there was more announced as well, so we're not going to leave anything else out. Uh, one thing that did surprise me, and, and this was sort of a weird one. So the screen goes, the stage goes goes dark and, and then comes back up and there's this scene of all sorts of just, you know, uh, forest scenery and, and, and the sounds of a forest and then you get this woodwind instrument sort of picking up and instantly, you know, you're about to hear something about Legend of Zelda because it is very much that. And, and then you, you see the master sword set into the stage and, and, and our, our friendly, funny little Asian man comes out and draws the master sword because why the hell not? Um, and the big announcement here, which surprised the fuck out of me, we knew we were getting DLC two for Breath of the Wild but it dropped at the video game awards. Like literally as they announced it on stage, it was available for download, like right then and there, which is weird. And the reason why this is weird, because we just talked about this within the last couple episodes, there's a whole legend of Zelda breath of the wild event being broadcast this week. What the fuck are they going to announce there? Like, I, I don't get it. That I, said, I either. the content that they've, they've showed off, uh, was very very surprising. The Champions Ballad is is it looked absolutely phenomenal, and from playing through it, I can tell you it's absolutely phenomenal. And probably the most interesting thing is there's another divine beast, uh, except it's not really a beast. It's a unicorn motorcycle that Link can ride, called the Master Cycle, and I I fucking love it. It's a motorcycle. It, it it's amazing. The only thing that pisses me off about that is, and I twittered about it today. I've started playing it now because I had to put uh, my, my Battle Chef Brigade on hold because mm -hmm. no offense to them. Again, I know there's bound to be bugs in games and all that, but I've been actually getting too many crashes now. And I know they're working on it. Their support is good. But when you are on a multi-meal uh, event duel kind of thing and you've had to prep your kitchen, go out, kill the stuff, work on your meals, try to get it exactly as you need it and whatever else, and the game crashes and none of that is saved, it's really frustrating, and it's happened too many times for me. So anyways, so I put that game on hold until they patch it, and then I'll go back to it. And I started playing Breath of the Wild. Fucking gorgeous, first of all. Oh my yeah. god, that game oh, yeah. is gorgeous. But it pisses me off that I don't get to ride the motorcycle until I finish everything like you don't get the motorcycle until you finish it and it's like well, i know I that's what they said they said you can't get it right away you can go back to the tomb after you've finished all four divine beasts which you can do at any point in time 
and then you go back to the tomb you go back to the tomb of resurrection you put your uh sheikah slate back into the pedestal and it enables that second dlc quest how hard is it to get the to kill those four things the divine beasts yeah like i it, i accidentally did it very quickly in my first playthrough if you're smart it's not that hard they're they're, they're essentially dungeons that end in a boss battle so getting to them is 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 more difficult than actually completing them as far as i'm concerned you can go and knock all four of them out and still not have uh maybe 30 percent of the game completed with everything that there is to do so there's no harm in going to do them and then going back to doing it which is what i'm actually doing on my second playthrough. okay maybe i'll do that because the impression that i got is again beating those things is still you need to be a high enough level or whatever in order to be able to do that so well, that's the thing. There's no there's no level to it, right? And so what winds up happening is a couple of different things here. Just for people that that haven't played it yet or, or haven't gotten into it, no matter what you do, when you do the Champion's Ballad, the only requirement that I have been able to, to pinpoint is that the Divine Beasts have to be free because you have to free the Champions. They're the ones that sort of uh, give you the quests. Then there's this whole big sequence where there's a massive challenge mode that you can unlock uh, which is this one hit obliterator. It is a weapon that has a limited amount of, of energy that then it has to be sort of rebuilt up that will kill anything in the game in a single hit. But here's the catch. While you're using it, it drains all of your health to one quarter of a heart, which means all of the trials that you have to complete, all of the shrines you have to unlock and all the areas you have to go, you have to do it without getting hit. Because you get hit by anything, whether it's a little bat, uh, a, a boulder falling down, you die. And you have to start the whole thing over again. It's Jesus. difficult, but it's doable. And that's the, it's it's a very nice challenge for anybody. Like, I put it on par with playing stealth mode through, like, Deus Ex or through stealth mode in Dishonored. If you are used to playing like that, this should be no different because you can do the exact same thing. Stealth takedowns, it's all about being smart and using your environment. And I'm going to give them a lot of credit for this. This is a shit ton more content than I expected out of the DLC pack. And the story reveal is fucking phenomenal. I've been tweeting out little things here and there about it, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm just really feeling happy that I think I was right about all my assumptions about the game. So fuck yeah. Awesome. So, and that was, that was good. Uh, and then we got some more news about a, another beloved franchise that came out after that, or, or, or sort of before that, I guess I should say. Soul Calibur 6 is in production and it is coming in 2018. Uh, we don't know what systems it's going to be on quite yet. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be the rise of the fighting games again because it looks like we're getting a shit ton of them. And Soul Calibur is one that's been disappeared for fuck, how many years at this point? It's great. It looks solid. It looks great. I can't wait to see it come back. And I really, really hope it's on the Switch because I will buy it hands down. <laughs> I can't be any more meh. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I, I the Soul next Calibur? thing I'm going to announce, I'm pretty sure you're extra meh about. Um, Nintendo also did announce that coming in February, uh, they are going to be putting out a updated version of Bayonetta 1 and 2 on the Switch. Uh, if you're a fan of the games, they will be available on February 16th. Um, this has to do with the success of actually the re-release of Bayonetta on PC. Uh, which is a good thing. Like people bought the game. They saw that and they were like, 
okay, we're going to make the games and, 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 you know, actually do more with them. That's the type of response we want to see. Like if people want games, buy them. Great. Good. They also announced that there's going to be a Bayonetta three, uh, sometime in the next year that will be, uh, coming out exclusively for the switch. If you're a fan of the series, great. If you're not, no big deal. But here's why I think this is sort of an important announcement. The creator of the series is also the creative mind behind such games like Beautiful Joe, which in my opinion is one of the most underrated, overlooked, but amazing games of all time. And if these older games are making such a resurgence and coming back on the Switch, I think that we might see some of those games also start coming back. It also makes it a point to me, at the very least, that the case for like GameCube games coming to the Switch, this is the type of games that were from that era. So hopefully we can start seeing those get ported and, and or, or redone, remastered, and then maybe the next in the series. I would kill for a Beautiful Joe 3. Beautiful Joe 1 and 2 are two of my top games of all time. So that's why I think this is kind of important. Um, we'll see what happens after that. Okay, just to cut in quickly, Sean, welcome. Hi, thanks. All right, good to have you here. So Sean is joining us. It's a little bit late, but there was a little bit of a... Uh, or kerfuffle he had to deal with now that that's done he's here so we're just uh we're gonna deal with the uh the destiny stuff afterwards right now we're just talking about the new stuff that was announced and whatnot at game awards then we're gonna move on to playstation and then destiny so just feel sh- free to jump in whenever the hell you want brother you got it all right joe keep her up well i mean i guess this is a good point because no, the next thing on the list is the biggest what the fuck moment of the uh the game awards for me at least which was the new trailer for death stranding now, don't get me wrong. I love Guillermo del Toro. Hideo Kojima is, is definitely an interesting person. And Norman Reedus is, is definitely a, a cool dude, too. But when you get the three of them together, I really start wondering how much acid they're fucking dropping. Because I have no fucking clue what happened in that trailer. I've watched it like four times. I still have no fucking clue. And then there's a random fetus giving a thumbs up down somebody's throat. What the fuck? Wait, random fetus giving a thumbs up. The Norman Reedus fetus gives a thumbs up while looking down Norman Reedus. Oh, you didn't watch esophagus. this? Marty, you didn't see that trailer? I didn't see that trailer. It's been a... No, I'm going to watch it right now. Oh, it is <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I, I'm i sorry, but again, in, in so much as we're, we, we keep hearing from people who are doing nothing but praising that game and then the idea of uh, what is it and we're excited to see and all that... We need the voices that are also saying, no, I'm sorry. This is fucking stupid. And I'm one of those. I am more power to anybody who's enjoying it, who's having fun and who's looking forward to it. Good on you. But personally, I think that it's absolute stupidity. Like, I mean, you can have something that's bizarre, something that's intriguing and all that. But that's still engaging. That still makes a modicum of sense. That's not just sheer like an acid drop like you're saying like it just it's it's not fluid in how the story's going either at least in how it's being presented so far and i understand there's going to be some differences cultural differences as well clearly in how the storytelling is is told but even then it's just again uh, people have a lot more respect for kojima than i do as well that's the other thing so don't get me wrong I, i respect the man but like I don't know enough about what's going on at this point to make a judgment on this game aside from like, I'm just in what the fuck mode. Yeah. I, like, I really could care less about that game at all at all. 
Yeah, it's I like mean, an hour-long cinematic, though, too. I mean, you really you have absolutely zero idea what the thing's about. It's essentially fear and loathing in Norman Reedus. And there's all this crazy <laughs> shit going on. I just don't get it. Oh, I love it. I'm stealing that fear and loathing in Norman Reedus. It, that's Fucking so accurate. Fear and loathing made more sense than this trailer. Like, I mean, and it's not just about making sense. It has to be something that is, to a certain degree, aesthetically pleasing. And aesthetically pleasing doesn't have to be pretty per se, but it just has to be something that is engaging to look at, something that you want to see more of or whatever. And clearly there are some people that fall into that category. They do want to see more. But every time I see anything about this game, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, turn this shit off. I'm not even, I'm not even curious about it. I have zero interest in it at all. And again, yeah. some of that, we, we talked offline about it too. Not offline, but not during the podcast, how it's, again, my opinion of Kojima is different than other people's. The fact that he created a game where the, the one of the, the lead female characters wasn't allowed to talk and was forced to strip to breathe, to me, is one of the most misogynistic pieces of shit ever in games. Like, to me, he's not a genius. So that taints what I think of this, too. And, and not that it taints it that much, because clearly I'm not interested any way you slice it. Well, let's move on to something that actually is a little more interesting. At least it was to me, and that was the announcement of Witchfire. Uh, and it's a horror fantasy shooter survival type game from the folks behind the vanishing of Ethan Carter, the astronauts, and, and, and like, and I believe Bulletstorm as well. I'm re- this one I'm intrigued about because I like that sort of grim dark fantasy. It speaks very much of like almost like Warhammer fantasy to me. Um, But yeah, like this is really intriguing to me. I'm really curious. I need to know more because it looks like you have magic, magic powers. You got a magic revolver at some point. Uh, You're fighting skeletons, whites, weird creatures. Fuck. I want to know more. Like, yes, please. That was a 4v4, wasn't it? No, it's a first-person shooter campaign, kind of like Doom. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember them all. I can't remember that one quite right. That's okay. They're the concern with Witchfire, though, is it's, I feel like it could go the way of Jericho, though, where it's all action, 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 the story's garbage, and that kind of just falls by the wayside. Well, that's why that's why I'm curious, because the vanishing of Ethan Carter, there there was no action, all story. And so you have that group making this game. I'm really curious how that's going to play out. Because they know how to do a story. We know damn well they know how to do a story. So I'm with you. Like it, it does, any any sort of game like that has that sort of it can walk that 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 knife's edge. And I'm hoping that it doesn't fall too far into the action side. Don't get me wrong. I like action, but I, I like story. I like story a lot, like a whole lot, lot. <laughs> now another thing that was announced, which I will just briefly touch on, which is not. I'm not excited about, but it's player unknowns. Battleground has a new desert map, which yay. If you're into it, good for you. Um, Fortnite also announced that they were going to have a 50 versus 50 battle mode for their version of essentially player unknowns battleground. Uh, and yeah, that, that is there if you like it. Um, but probably one of the highlights of the evening for me uh, had to do with well, not so much a game announcement per se, <laughs> but uh, folks, in my storied past, I have come across many, many things. And one of them is I know what a person looks like when they're on cocaine. Well, 
the developer of A Way Out was definitely on some cocaine that night. And God bless it if I don't fucking love that man for getting up there and saying the shit he said. It was probably the 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 biggest breakdown of the of anything I've ever seen. There was a lot of him saying "fuck the Oscars," "fuck everybody that's microtransactions," "fuck all this shit." And, and, and the highlight so it was him saying, "Sometimes people will come up to me and say your game's not good," and to them I say, "fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> I have so much respect for that man. I'm not even gonna lie because he just didn't give a fuck. He just did not give a fuck. And I was already going to buy a way out. I'm probably going to buy two copies and give one to somebody at this point because fuck yeah, they're getting my money. What's funny is that we were already interested in that game and I was actually <laughs> interested in hearing more about it. <laughs> that never happened. You just, I, I'm not complaining. I enjoyed the show. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And, and that's fine. I like, I don't need to know. I, I like, yeah, knowing more about the game is great, but having somebody go up there that's not just glad handy, that's not just feeding a corporate line, that's just being himself. Uh, you know what? I, that goes a long way for me as far as, as that goes. Uh, because if you're just willing to just throw it all out there and see what sticks, great. That I have respect for that. It reminded me, it made me think of, because I watched it actually after the PlayStation experience, um, but during the PlayStation experience, did you watch the interview with Justin Roiland and the guy from no, Cross Cross Cross? At one point, the, the guy who was interviewing him, Sid, was saying like, so what were some of your favorite games of the year? This To remind people, the PlayStation experience, Justin just goes off on a whole bunch of Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't try to hide it. He's not acting embarrassed about it. He's just praising Nintendo game after Nintendo game. It was incredible. I'm watching that um, that way out developer go nuts now. The host looks so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah because video. they're screaming in his ear. They're screaming in his ear. Shut him up. Shut him up. Get him off the stage. Get him talking about the game. Something, not this. It's like three minutes of watching his smile slowly go down. <laughs> Jeff thinking I had a career. <laughs> now, the one last thing that I did want to bring up about the uh, the video game awards actually was a, a, a friendly little or a funny little tidbit that wasn't necessarily an announcement, but there was this big musical number uh, where you had the orchestra out there, and there was this big thing before they announced the game of the year winner, um, and it was interesting to me because it was a medley and part of the medley, they actually broke into the one up girl song from super Mario Odyssey. Now that's cool and all, but here's the interesting thing. The singer that they brought out on stage is the actual singer and voice of Pauline from the game. That's Kate Higgins. And it took me a minute to figure this out. Cause I was like, no, it can't be. Cause I, I'm, I'm into voice actors. Like I, I, I respect them. It's something that at one point I wanted to do. So I tend to like, if I like something or I like the performance of something, I tend to see who did it. And so I look and I'm like, no, no way. And I pull it up and sure enough, it is fucking her. They actually brought the real voice actor, the person who sang the fucking song for the game on stage to sing the song. So fucking kudos to them for that. That's pretty much all I got for the voice or the video game awards. Okay, awesome. Let's move on to the PlayStation experience. We got actually quite a bit of stuff. This was their fourth one. They went with a little bit different format initially with more of a kind of 
relaxed feel the sofas shoot the shit with developers instead of their normal presentations but then there was also a whole whack load of different uh trailer announcements and, and whatnot there was like next to no vita stuff clearly they are saying that that's pretty much a done deal now and they are putting all of their attention into the vr is getting a ton of fucking oh, that's because nintendo spanked them on anything so the um they, they were talking about numbers too and are quite proud of the numbers that the PSVR is, is, is doing. So that's great. Again, the more people we can get into that to test it out and try, the, the more it will evolve over time. And as someone who's played a bunch of those games, it's, it's great if you get the right ones. So we're going to get into some of the VR stuff later, but we're going to actually start off with some of the actual PS4 games. One of the ones that I was looking forward to the most and that I was not disappointed in was Dreams from Media Molecule. Uh, Tristan and I loved playing Little Bit Planet, and we loved the idea of the, again, not just the idea, but the actual, the, the reality of making levels and different things. We did a lot of that, and, and, and it was a lot, lot of fun, and so, so well executed on every level. So when the initial talk of dreams came out and they were talking about how you'd be able to do even more. It was one of those. Okay, well, I'm, I I'll take you at your word for now and we'll see what comes out of this. And then the more we've seen, the more interesting it's been. Now we are seeing a lot more and we are also getting a lot more reports of people who are actually trying it and different things so that we can see exactly what, what dreams is. And dreams is basically, you can go in and make a fucking game in there. You can make a game, any type of game. You want to make a racing game, you can go inside and you can make a racing game, an RPG. We're not just talking about levels. Their ultimate, like their dream, uh, I can't remember who it was there that was talking about it, but it was somebody pretty high up, was saying like, you know, is if somebody made an entire game in their, in dreams and was able to export it and have Sony sell it as an original game kind of thing. And so your your limitations are clearly just your own imagination because the tools are there and then i was as i'm listening to it and i'm thinking that'd be cool and you can like dub in some some voice work and stuff like that they got a fucking synth editor voice editor uh everything built right in you can either use the mic on your your uh like your your headset mic or you can use your iPad or Android device as a second screen and import in audio as well that you've recorded with professional equipment and things like that. And there's a fucking like audio editor, like GarageBand and Audition, not quite as powerful as Audition clearly, but right inside of there that you can use to mix all of the sound and apply uh, various mods to the, the, the sound waves as well. Holy fucking hell. Like it was astounding and got me immediately again that that imagination was just sparking like crazy to the point where I was sitting down talking with Tristan for an hour talking about like this is it we could finally do our visual novel idea that we've wanted to do forever in this as long as we are legally allowed to use anything that we create from scratch using it in the same way as we would with a unity engine or a 3d program then we could literally do that idea. We could do it. And I, I was actually Twittering with some people from Media Molecule, and they're saying they're going to be releasing that information as 
the legality gets ironed out down the line. But if that is what happens with it, then people will be able to use this in the same manner as they do Unity or uh, 3D programs like Maya and things like that to create worlds, environments, characters, and stuff like that that they can then insert in their games. It's fucking astounding. Just amazing. I cannot wait to play to buy this. This is like a day one. I'm going to pre-order this shit. I'm so fucking excited for it. It looks like Little Big Planet on crack. Just looking at some of these screens. It can do anything. Like, they're showing off some of the stuff that you'll be able to do that because they're putting in um, single level, uh, single player levels and stuff like that. And so they are showing off different things. And you can go from fantasy and whimsy to the film noir stuff that they put in in that subway area that was gorgeous. Plus, you can do not just couch co-op, but you can do co-op. So as an example, Joe, if you and I were working on something, be it just for fun or whatever, we want to recreate a uh, um, Spider-Man scene and create a portion of, you know, New York buildings and Spidey in the air and all that, we could collaborate on that and create it together inside. And then shortly after release, they're going to put in the VR as well. So you can create fucking VR games while you're in VR. (sighs) It's amazing. Absolutely astounding. That's wild. I mean, that might force a a PS4 purchase for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, again, I look at this, not just in terms of how they are presenting it as a game wherein you'll be able to go in and be part of the community and you share and you kind of can play their levels and things like that. And that's something that we saw in Little Big Planet. And they do it very well. I mean, you can bounce into Little Big Planet and just kind of like just try a level at, at random. They might not all be good, but you're going to get a lot that are fucking awesome. People are creative, especially when you have that many thousands and thousands creating something for it. So you're going to be able to do the same thing with with this game, which, again, much like when I talked about Detroit Become Human, how because there's so many options, so many choices, you're going to be able to play that game again and again. Well, Dreams is the same thing, only you're going to be able to go into the community and then download those levels and, and, and play them. And people will be doing some fucked up shit for sure, but you're also going to get some profound moments there because Again, for a lot of people, it's a creative outlet. So it's we're going to have depth there because we, we saw that in Little Big Planet. So we're going to get a lot more of that in here because you're not limited by cutesy anymore. Now you can do whatever the fuck you want. And again, I can't stress enough how much I cannot wait to get in there and just create. I, I, I Again, as much as I like having a gun in my hand and destiny and it's fun and all that, there is something to be said for that experience of just going in and creating and feeling like you've spent a couple of hours creating something beautiful or fun or whatever that doesn't matter what you do with it from there. Okay, let's move on from there and go to Detroit Become Human. We got some more information there. There was some interviews that were done. They talked a lot about it on the the first night on Friday late, and they actually did a little bit of a live playthrough. And so we got a little bit more to see from the Connor perspective, and, and clearly it was important to save the fish. <laughs> but uh, but it showed off yet more choices and things like that. And while there wasn't a ton of information given, it just reinforced what we've already discussed, which was this idea of there being like thousands of story permutations. So once again, a game that we are going to be playing for hundreds of hours, potentially. 
Okay, moving on from there, we got a little bit more on Monster Hunter World as well. And there was the beta this weekend. Did anybody get a chance to try that? No, I was too busy being buried by snow. No, 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 no uh, PS4 yet, unless, you know, I get a raise. (laughs) From you, Roger, from you. You got (laughs) to. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. I know, Um, I know. I did install it and try it, and it's Monster Hunter. And by that, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. It's one of those games where it's like, holy fuck, this looks awesome. I can't wait to play. And then you play it, and you're like, hmm. So there were three levels that you could play, and I went through it. And my experience was way different than what would have been somebody's experience who was not new to Monster Hunter. Because I even, I talked to my son. Because I was saying, like, I was having so much fucking trouble with this weapon. And it was a sword. And I'm trying to hit, but it kept shifting and changing. And he was like, oh, that's a switchblade. I said, no, it wasn't a switchblade. It was a sword. He said, no, 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 that's the name of it. So they're they're actually putting in items that are iconic kind of Monster Hunter items by the sound of it, potentially. But he was saying, yeah, you need to do this and this. And then it'll have different abilities and different things. So it's like, ah. That's why, because I was not having it. I was not having fun with that fucking thing at all. And I was finding as well that the the actual fighting, especially with the giant fucking iguana. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that didn't feel very Monster Hunter-ish when you're fighting a massive fucking iguana. But the occlusion was kind of weird because it would roll on top of you, but pass through you. But then you'd get hit by a tail or something and then you're flying. So it kind of that kind of fucks shit up in your brain when you you see that. So I I personally don't think it was a very good beta for this. I think they probably should have chosen something else because well before I was a lot more sold on it. Now I'm like, eh, maybe I'll wait a little bit before I buy it. They did talk a little bit about Soul Calibur. We're not going to keep uh, going into that because it was covered. Also, Death Stranding. Again, no need to go into that because it was covered. <laughs> Concrete Genie. I want this game now. I mean, we're talking about games where you paint and shit. And here is a story that is not just going to be beautiful and alive. And a game where you can just go in and, and again, create, but in an, kind of an assisted way because your palette is 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 full of leaves and flowers or, or different shit that is kind of alive. But it also is this fantastic story about this kid who is being bullied and about him having to create creatures to help him solve puzzles. And then those creatures, depending on how you create them and the colors that you use, will have different kind of AI personalities to then help you. Everything I'm hearing about this game is also making this a game that I want to be playing day one. Yeah, actually, I'm just looking at that now, and especially as an artist. Um, oh, yeah. That looks awesome. That looks absolutely awesome. Like, this combined with what we were talking about with Dreams, I actually might be picking up a PS4 this Christmas, huh? Yeah, this is, well, see, it's the same with you as I say, I think about my wife and I see these games because she's an artist as well. So I think I look at this and I think, oh, you know, just something for her to sit down. And if she wants to do the story, great, but you don't have to. You can just pop into this game and just do the artwork. And they designed their city wherein you can tag anywhere. So they literally went through the entirety of the city to make sure that each of the walls was such that you could create something on it and something spectacular. Like you're seeing some of these these 
these tagging uh, uh, sessions where like there's the waterfall and the beautiful the, the 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 blossoming trees and all kinds of stuff again from just that idea of I'm just going to relax go into a game and you know in in a Bob Ross fashion paint some happy trees and you can definitely <laughs> do that in this fucking game <laughs> Okay, moving on. We got a little bit more on uh, The Forest, which sounds awesome, really cool. Although that was released on PC a while back, was it not? Yep, it was an older game from a few years ago. Yeah, so they're releasing it on PS4. Still, sounds great. Happy to see it there. Joe, you want to take on Guacamelee 2? Well, I mean, are you sure? Did you watch <laughs> Did you watch the uh, the interviews and shit? I did, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, so take it. Guacamelee- Guacamelee was uh, a surprise game for me when it first came out. And it was, it's a Metroidvania style game done in the, uh, with very Mexican overtones. Uh, it, it is, takes place in, in Mexico. You take on the form of a, a guy that gets turned into a spiritual luchador. Uh, and you have to go save the, the princess, AKA the person that you're supposed to be marrying. Um, it, it was not like an overly complicated story and it wore its influences on its sleeve, but the execution was phenomenal. As far as Metroidvanias goes, it was one of the best ones to be released in the most recent years. Well, Guacamelee 2 just got announced. Uh, and not only is it going to be this amazing uh, game, just like the original one was, adding new uh, mechanics, new uh, sort of tweaks to what's already in place. Uh, you're also is going to be supporting a four-player co-op, yeah. which is insane. So the main character, Juan, uh, you get to, that he's back. Uh, Tostada is the female luchador that you can play as because you can play as either male or female uh, in the game. Uh, Extabe uh, was the weird witch from the first game that actually sided with the evildoer. So I'm really curious what the hell she's doing as a playable character for the heroes. And uh, Wei Chivo, uh, who is a, a person I don't know, actually, uh, that seems to be new. Um, but it's actually cool because like you're going to meet the chicken Illuminati. You get to unlock <laughs> cool new chicken abilities because yes, you turn into a chicken in this game because in the first game, the chicken, the, the, the devil turned into a chicken and then you also got cursed to be turned into the chicken in the first game. And then you turned it into a superpower because why the fuck not? Um, you have to confront El Muñeco, which is interesting because uh, they essentially it's a masculine doll is what the name is. And he looks very like ragdollish, like almost like um, a puppet when you see him. Uh, so I'm really curious what the hell that's all about. Uh, but yeah, like the visuals are, are amazing. The colors are amazing. The controls in the first game were tight. So I expect them to be just as tight. Uh, I'm I'm all in on this. Like this is a day one purchase for me. End of story. Like I don't have to know much more. I love I, that. I, it's can, like seven years later and is like married, couple of kids. <laughs> He's relaxed. He's got a good life, and then shit. Oh yeah, no, bad. she's 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 yelling at him from the kitchen as he's yes. sitting there watching TV. Like it was the so only awesome. thing that missed was missing from that trailer was him getting hit with a chancla. <laughs> <laughs> but um, chicken Illuminati, can you say a little bit more about chicken Illuminati? <laughs> well, you see, it's the Illuminati, but comprised entirely of chickens, sentient talking chickens. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what more you need to know about it. Uh, I do need to know, is it a PS4 exclusive? 
I don't think it's going to be a PS4 no, exclusive. I don't think so. But it was announced during that. Um, it, the original one was Xbox PS... Uh, it was the Xbox 360, I think it was back in the day. Wait a minute, whatever. It was on Microsoft Xbox, it was on PlayStation, and it was also on PC. So I fully expect it to be on all of those again. All right, well, I will... Uh... I will be buying a game that involves the chicken Illuminati because that is not a phrase I'd ever expect to hear. But now that I've heard it, uh, I need it in my life. Dude, I'm, all I'm, of your all of your special moves are like luchador wrestling moves. Like it's it, like when you find the uh, the your abilities and your upgrades, like they're all named after like some wrestling move. It's fucking fantastic. And the original game had all these costumes where like you could change what your wrestler looked like. You could change what Juan looked like or or, or Tostada. They're going to do that again. There's going to be a million costumes and it's going to be fucking great. I'm trying to find the site to see if it's going to be available on all platforms, but you do a search for guacamole Two game and it's all fucking guacamole recipes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on from there. We got a little bit more on Faye, which was actually really cool. Not a ton of new information per se but there was a playthrough that showed what we can expect from the game again it's just an absolutely stunning stunning game and i am very much looking forward to playing it we got a little bit more on spider-man as well not a ton of news but we did get a feature where they talked to some of the people and dan slot and 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 whatnot talking about what you can expect from the game which is again it was it was interesting but I think it was more so for people who aren't as familiar, more people who are gamers, but not necessarily comic book readers, so that they can appreciate that you may not realize it, but you're, there's a little Peter Parker inside of you, inside of all of you kind of thing. And so trying to um, make people care about the character and and be invested before the game comes out. It's, that's how it felt to me, because, again, there are still some people who aren't comic book readers, but clearly love to play games about Spider-Man and other comic book heroes and whatnot. So it's kind of putting it in perspective, especially how it pertains to Mr. Negative. Because again, if Peter takes him down, he's also taken down his Aunt May's boss, you know, and, and, and a good guy overall. So there's a lot going on in the story there that, again, they give us just enough to keep us interested, I felt, and hopefully hook a few people who aren't necessarily comic book nerds or necessarily fans of the, the movies. How much involvement does Slot have in this project? I think he was only, they only interviewed him about it. I don't think he's actually involved in the process. I could be wrong, but no. I don't think he is. His name's not attached to the project, project yeah. at all. Yeah, I think okay. they just brought him in because as of late, he's been the Spider-Man voice kind of thing. Just to give that, again, going back to what I'm saying, get people interested in the character of Peter Parker. Okay, makes sense. Joe, did you have anything that you were impressed by with that or you want to just move on? I don't think I can gush about wanting to play this game any more than I already am. Yeah. So let's just move on. Yeah. Uh, very quickly. Gang Beast coming. Actually, I think it was released today, maybe. If not, very, very soon for PS4. Looked awesome. Fun fighter game. Uh, Jet Set Radio kind of clone hover, which looked interesting, but even but it's some, parkour instead of skating. Yeah. Uh, a, a DJ Max anime music. I have no fucking idea game. Uh there was a couple others that are, you know, again, smaller titles, not quite as interesting, but they did talk more about the ghost of Tsushima. Wow. Like, the more we're hearing about this game, the more impressed I am. Like, this is taking place 
on the island during the Mongol invasion, and you're this soldier who is defying them. Holy fucking hell. Like, when you... I, I watched all the interviews with the devs, and the respect that they have for the genre is written all over their faces. And that comes across in the story as well. And then the amount of work that they put into it, they mo-capped a fucking horse. Like, I mean, like, that's crazy. Like, the attention to detail that they're putting into this, that's another game that I simply cannot wait to dive into. And then on the VR side, we got a few new announcements, like the Wipeout. For anybody who's got the Omega Collection, there's going to be a Wipeout free VR racing in there. The Last Guardian VR, which, again, if you're a fan of that, then it's going to make you feel like you're in it. There was a very long interview, like I'd say, with Justin Roiland and the guy from Crows, 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 which was actually really fun. Both of them were high as fuck, clearly. And (laughs) it was interesting, though, because a, a lot of what they were saying was cool, not just from the perspective of a couple of comedians kind of thing, but also people who are working to bring comedy into games and specifically into VR games and how... They don't, as we've discussed in the past, they don't have to rely on the established norms, but they can come out with what they feel is funny, what they think is going to be a good, again, quote unquote, experience kind of thing. And so they were showing off Accounting Plus, which is fucking ridiculous. Like, I mean, holy shit, there is something wrong with Justin Roiland. <laughs> like, I mean, holy crap in hell. But it looks like it'd be fun. And if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, it's that same kind of humor, so although not quite as intelligent by the look of it, but it'd still be fun to play. And then we got a Megalith VR game where you kind of turn into a monster and become a god. It was very fucking cool. There was uh, Anamorphine, which was very, very cool, where you're kinding, kind of, it's it's kind of a walking similar simulator, but you're piecing together memories out of junk that's all over the place. Like you're, your wife was a cellist so you the music is really integral to the story and you are kind of going through dreamscapes and memories and things like that because you are trying to deal with your guilt and I didn't hear it expressly said that she died or died as a result of his negligence or something like that but that's kind of what you get out of it and he's basically trying to to drink to forget but as is said, like it's escapism based on substance abuse. Basically, at some point, you you can't escape. It's going to that guilt's going to work its way through, anyways. So you have these scenes where it's mayhem, just fucking mayhem, and he's flying all over the place. But then again, that that guilt seeps in, and you get memories coming in that are really painful for him to to live through. And then he's kind of piecing different things together to and and getting memories through that. Really well done. Super interesting concept. I'm looking forward to seeing that game. Uh, Killing Floor Incursion, another fighting one. Looked cool. Those are fun to play. Nothing more than that. We got quite a bit more on Gollum, Gollum, which was was interesting because we'd only gotten a little bit initially and not too much since then. This game is coming out March 13th next year, and it actually looks very cool. It, It Again, you have a character that has been paralyzed and is using this as a means of sounds like kind of escapism as well 
and there's a lot of what could be depth, I'm hoping, and story elements throughout, not just, oh, cool, I can control this massive beast. So we'll see. And then lastly, there was Blood and Truth, which is from the same people who did the London Heist, which was fantastic. And this is taking that and fucking I'm, running with it. What was that? I'm actually surprised you skipped over uh, Children of Morta. Which one was that now? Uh, it's from Dead Mage Inc. It's a, a hack and slash uh, with procedurally generated levels. But the the trick is it's 100% narrative driven. It's not like a standard roguelike or hack and slash game. So like it was, it's going to be exclusive for the PlayStation. It's one of those smaller style games, but I figured that would have been right up your alley because it's, it's a cooperative style game, much like almost like Gauntlet was back in the day. Uh, but it's all about the story. It's all about uh, helping this particular family with their crises and, and becoming the hero for that family. So I was really interested in that personally. From the, I don't think I saw that. Yeah, you should look it up. Children of Morta. I'm actually it's, looking at it on Steam right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely did not see this at all. Yeah, it's from 11 Bit awesome. Studio. So that was basically it. Again, there were there were a few other odds and ends. Unless was there anything else that you guys saw that you wanted to talk about? Uh, let's see. The Gungrave game looks awesome, just because. Well, Gungrave. Personally. And then uh, the other one that I was interested in was actually Tower 57, just because it's a uh, neo-retro shooter uh, where it's a co-op game. And I am all about co-op games, really. Uh, I like socially gaming. So the idea of going through this diesel punk mega tower uh, level by level with your friends and almost like a twin stick shooter, kind of like the old NES era, like uh, Smash TV style is is really intriguing to me. And that looks to be like it's going to be another PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move on to Destiny 2 then. We're actually going to start with Sean because we're not quite yet going to be discussing the Curse of Osiris, but as somebody who just picked it up and has been playing it now in so much as you can with the big news with your wife, <laughs> what have your thoughts been with the game? Uh, so far, I've enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, the Curse of Osiris thing didn't put a little sour in my mouth, but it looks like they decided to revert back on that. Um, so I'm not too upset about that now. The only thing, I like the Cabal. I like fighting the Cabal. My only complaint was the Vex seem more threatening than the actual main bad guys in the game. At least that's my experience at my low level. Um, and the only other thing that irked me, and maybe it's just because I haven't played Destiny 1 for so long, is I don't remember the ghosts having that much emotion. Like, I felt like I had my needy my needy little brother with me, just being, that, like, freaking out the whole time. Yeah, that was actually a, a conscious choice on their part, which is one of the reasons why they changed uh, during Destiny 1 the boys uh, from, Peter, from Peter Dinklage to Nolan North. Uh, was because of that, because it, Peter Dinklage's performance was very, 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 very flat, um, and they wanted more emotion in it. So that that was that was a concerted effort that they they've had for a while. Maybe I just prefer that. Then I just felt like, hey, it's it's a robot. It's a it's an immoral object. Um, I like that thing not having the emotion. That way, you could kind of experience the emotion yourself within the story. Really? See, most people tend to like the lippy robot. That's a popular trope that we've seen many, many times to great effect. And so I personally, I like it. In fact, 
he wasn't quite lippy enough. That's why I love Marina Beckerin <laughs> in Curse of Osiris. Oh, it was like, I want that fucking ghost. Nolan North, you're fired. <laughs> I want her as my ghost. <laughs> That's why at one point where she hints, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if I was yours. I was like, fuck, please tell me that's going to become an option at some time. <laughs> like, I don't care how they do it. I'd love that. I don't know. I just said, like, if, I think if I go in with the with the expectation of it, then I can appreciate like Claptrap. Absolutely love Claptrap in Borderlands. You know, I kind of went in expecting him to be quippy. This one, I was like having a freaking breakdown within like 15 minutes of the game. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but you did finish the actual campaign, right? Not yet. Uh, I'm near the end of it, but I'm actually enjoying the campaign a hell of a lot more than I did in Destiny 1. Like, oh, I'm kidding. really invested. I'm like, jump, I'm skipping the side quests, which I used to do like crazy in Destiny 1, and I'm just going straight campaign. Like, I want to know how this thing ends. So yeah, that was you, the way I played it, too. Have you made it onto the Almighty yet? Not, and I just got on there now. <laughs> We can give you a hand with that if you want at one point. It gets a little dicey. and <laughs> If you have a fire team, it's a lot easier. Especially yeah, when you're going up against Gull. Except Marty, because he doesn't play on PC. Cause... That's true. <laughs> but I also soloed that level, which isn't that big of a deal, because I've got aim assist and whatever, but whatever. I soloed I it, soloed too. It. I just said it's easier and more fun, motherfucker. Mr. Flying on the Xbox by himself. All by myself. That's just how I roll, guys. No, it's not. It's because you get no friends. <laughs> well, a little of column A, a little column B there, Roger. No, uh, but to Sean's point earlier, I think, and to Joe's point, I can tell you, like, I know they did and re-recorded a whole bunch of ghost dialogue, but uh, I think it's the Rise of Iron cinematic where they decide, like, this is the personality of Ghost. Uh, and it, it's a really cool, the cinematic's pretty cool. It's like, you're my guardian. And that's for me when they decided, like, that's who our ghost is supposed to be. So it's still like, like the needy little brother, I totally get. I just feel like it's, it's for me, it's been working really, really well. And Nola North is, you know, pretty great. I'm just hoping we kind of have like a malfunction, like they, they twisted a little bit later on in some kind of story. Like, I want like my ghost to go off system shock on me. No, <laughs> I do not need system shock in my destiny too. No, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I, I want it, I want the option on one of those fucking exotic ghosts, <laughs> if not this season, next season, to have Marina Beckerin's voice. That's that's all I care about. If if the uh, Sargira shell is not an option, I would be very surprised. Like the like Sargira shell with the voice would be phenomenal. With Eververse, it's always an option. Yeah, no kidding. No, exactly. You could buy voice packs. Why not? That'd be people would do that in a heartbeat. But you know what? If it was anything. a direct transaction, and I didn't have to buy a fucking loot box for it. I absolutely fucking would. Amen. Hey, I was talking to you just about that because we were looking over all the stuff in the uh, the new loot boxes, and I was saying, you know, motherfuckers, if you allowed me to buy the Titan uniform, I would buy it for a reasonable price. Clearly. But I would buy it. But I'm not gambling for it. And then the thing that really pissed me off was the one exotic ghost that gives you plus 10% experience. Fuck. Guys. Seriously. Like, that's that's going above and beyond now of what should be acceptable in a gambling kind of thing. I 
not impressed with that at all at all. That was like, fuck you guys. You're not getting any money from me for loot boxes, period. Yeah, that's them putting their toe in the water. They're trying to see if uh, if that people buy on that. That's uh, hopefully not, but that might be kind of a, um, what's the word? Just kind of a premonition of what's to come. Yeah, I, oh, fuck. That, it, it quite literally pissed me off and I we've done nothing but gush about this IP and yeah they're fucking up and we're calling them on it for different things but when I saw that that justifiably pissed me off I was like fuck you guys like that is taking it too far and for an item that many people not everybody but many people will think is almost mandatory that like it's a plus 10% experience which means you're going to get a ton more of those loot boxes through Eververses because you're gaining a lot more experience and 10% is a big chunk of experience. I, I fuck, I was not impressed at all. On the bright side, though, of that, uh, this is kind of happening at the end of the whole EA scandal. So if you have a lot less white knights and you have a lot of people being like, yeah, look, we are generally upset. Look what's happening with EA. So, and Bungie seems to be kind of responding accordingly, even though maybe a little bit late. Yeah, but they're responding, but then they're putting in shit like this after anyways. <laughs> it's like, yeah, true. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. All right. So before we get into Curse of Osiris, then anything else you wanted to talk about with the game then, Sean? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just, uh, I was a little concerned about buying it at first. Um, just like, do I have time? Would I enjoy the story? I wasn't that invested in the story of Destiny 1 until uh, Taken King. That's when I really got into it. But no, like this is actually, I'm actually really happy with this so far. And I'll probably end up, you know, once I get a little bit lower into it, or higher into the game, pick up the Curse of Osiris, and hopefully you'll probably hear from you guys. The story is just as good. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit here. So you're going to get a few spoilers, not too much, but just to talk about it. I'll let Marty go in a minute, but I think that, and again, we we will knock on them and give them shit when they fuck up, but when they do something right, then we'll 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 praise it. And I think that for people who aren't impressed with uh, the story, the main story from the, the, the campaign and who just kind of didn't see the point of it or whatever. I don't think they're going to be sold on curse of Osiris. So if somebody bought, you know, the, the, the game and then the season pass, but they weren't crazy about the game, they're not likely to be as crazy about the season pass. Cause it's a lot more of the same. If you liked the campaign in the game though, in my opinion, you're going to fucking love this stuff. And no, it's not a ton of hours, but it's not supposed to be. It's a short fucking DLC, plus it's one of several coming out this year. I fucking loved this. I adored the campaign stuff. I loved the characters, Osiris, and of course, Sagira was just phenomenal. And with the exception of Brother Vance, who just fucking gets on my nerves like crazy, which clearly is what he was meant to do, but... I hate when they put characters like that in a game. But other than that, I don't know. Like Marty, what did you think about the story overall for the campaign for the uh, the, the the DLC? So I, I totally agree. I you know, if you didn't like the first story, you're not gonna like this one. Uh, I really, really enjoy watching Ikora's fall and then now she's rebuilding into something new and something different. Um and you know, a little bit of a spoiler, but she displays a power that no warlock has ever done before um which is a really neat trick to let you basically save the timeline from the vexiest future um which i really really dig uh spoiler we win but um 
<laughs> I really enjoy uh, they're also doing something new in terms of like letting the uh, the adventures expand the story as it goes forward. At least that's what they've been saying on the stream and like my group of people that I pay to hang out with me because clearly I don't have enough friends, but the group of people I pay to hang out with, uh, we haven't gotten to do up and up yet and the other adventures. Um, but the infinite forest, uh, I was worried a little bit, much less than Roger, but I was worried that, you know, is this going to take away from the game so far? I have not had a problem with it. Um, but as a year one destiny player, anytime I hear a Vex tone, I freak out a little bit and I'm scanning and spitting around to make sure I didn't miss an Oracle or something. Those are the bad guys that can like wipe you out of existence. So they're bad. I, I really in, I enjoy also like Oded Fire's uh, Osiris was awesome. Uh, he carried enough of the mystique and his duplication power was also kind of fun to watch. Yeah. So it, uh, let me ask you before you move on though, but the um, infinite for, uh, forest, like you were saying again, you weren't as worried as I was clearly I was, I actually still have concerns about it. Well, not concerns, but some of what I was worried about is like, mm, I'm not that impressed with it. It's, it's not what I was expecting it's basically you're just levels. You get to the end of a level, essentially like a platforming level. You open a gate and you move on to the next platforming level that appears in front of you. But they're all very, very, very similar, like very similar. You do enough of the adventures because I've done it on two characters now and I've done some other stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty similar. So... I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm really, I mean, it's all right, but I'm, I'm not wowed by it at all. Well, so I've only done the campaign on two of my characters so far. So, uh, I remember being a little bit, I mean, I think you're right. I remember being a little bit of variation and I find a lot of joy just in those like differences, but that's just because, um, you know, that's just my thing. I totally respect the fact that, like, you know, this may not be working out for you, though. Like, and I think that's that might be what the community is saying. Um, but I think with time and like version two of whatever the Infinite Force technology is going to take us into, we're going to see more and more stuff. Um, and I would like I'd like to see that because there's like it felt. I didn't have a problem with the the platforming and I got, I like to the explore and see a bunch of stuff going on, but um, yeah. Well, when I say platforming too, I don't mean like actual platforming. What I'm talking about is that mechanic you see in platformers often of you're running from point A to B and then going through a door and then the next level A to B. And that's what this feels like. You go in, you open a door, a gate, and then it appears before you the path that you have to take and often it's very much like a platformer where you're running to one side or jumping over here or whatever and going through and killing x amount of whatever's appear in there but they all look very very similar and they all have that same mechanic where you open the gate you go in you kill typically there's two or three right by the gate on the inside you move around you kill a few more that are there and then you unlock this the next part and it gets progressively a little bit harder and that's it so I can see that for me getting old real fast because no it's more the so than any other dungeon or strike. I, for me personally, I do feel that way. I again, I don't 
hold it against anybody who is enjoying it. But for me, way too much repetition in what is supposed to be something that is constantly changing. I just chalk it up to, you know, limitations of what they were implementing as well as, I mean, you can also look at it as story-wise, our understanding of the, you know, infinite forest is limited. So what we are forcing to sort of come into place is what, that's what we're doing, right? Like that's what uh, Sagira is doing with us as we're moving through those areas is we're entering the infinite forest and activating these paths. So it's whatever information Segura has gleaned or or Cyrus or us at this point. So I can kind of accept that a little bit better. Um, I'm not saying that it's not, you know, failed to deliver on the promise, so to speak. Um, but I just think it's like any other strike. I think it's fine. Like, it, yep. it'll, it'll still wear on me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not one of those people that is like, oh, every strike is great forever. No, because they get annoying after a while. And you can only do something so often. Uh before you just sort of get, eh, okay, whatever, it's this again. Uh, the excitement wears off, so to speak. But I I don't know. Like, I, I get where you're coming from, uh, but I'm still enjoying it. I still like seeing the platform sort of materialize and what configuration they're going to be in. I still like when it dumps you out into old Mercury, uh, where it's all terraformed and, and everything before the Vex have, have completely gutted the place. Uh, there are some cool elements to it, Um but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. And what's funny is that, like you mentioned, it's no different than a, a strike or other areas. I'm far more forgiving of a static zone. So like I'll head to Nessus and I know what it looks like. I know every, well, not every inch, but a lot of that zone now at planet. And I love it. I love going there. I love going to Iowa, all the, all the planets I love and they're static. I mean, with the exception of the actual mobs that are there, and even that's on certain uh, timers and whatnot. So, but I, I'll do that, and I got no problems. For me, again, it's that it's that very mechanic of feeling very much like a platformer. That That's all it is for me, that it's like it's not enough, ironically, variety in what is supposed to be full of variety. Did either of you try the massive event yet? Uh, the public event that I still don't know how to make a heroic. Yes. <laughs> I think to do the heroic, don't you have to make sure that you get each of the, um, the orbs inside of the, the things, each one of them. I, I couldn't tell. I was teaching one of my buddies, like how to, you know, what weapon you should be using to kill the Vex. Like that's their first time really playing the game, uh, as intensely as we've been playing it with destiny one. Yeah, so, I've done it. I don't know. I've done it. I think three times, maybe four. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying I know what I'm fucking doing. <laughs> Either I'm figuring out with everybody else as we're going along. But it's fun. Holy crap! Oh, great hell is it ever fun? I really enjoy it a lot. Like if there's one consistent thing in Destiny Two so far, it's that you will get an elemental ball that you're going to have to dunk somewhere. And that's pretty much like destiny basketball. And I'm kind of okay with that, uh, especially when it's in, in my fire team, I'm just going to go do it because it's fun as a hunter to run around and like hit dudes with a solar ball or a void ball. Although the, the stri- uh, song of Sabathun strike is still creepy as fuck. And like, I enjoy it, but uh it's the kind of thing that would give me nightmares. <laughs> I do like the um, 
like when they were first talking about it and talking about the scope, I was thinking, ah, how could it possibly be that big? It's going to just be a crap load of people in that very small zone because that zone is not very big. But because you're flying around on those sh- those things constantly from one end of the zone to the other, it just feels that much grander in scope. And so that was, again, it's a lot of fun to do that one. Oh, it's frantic and it's dynamic and there's, you know, Vex everywhere. And then I just got, I get, you get mobbed by the exploding Vex, which still is a weird concept, but fun. Uh, yeah, I've been enjoying that as well. Um, I really want to dig into the adventures though, because there is a uh, lore in the adventures about uh, one of the characters that you read about in Destiny 1 and there's more information coming about that character in destiny two. So I did, I did all of the adventures except for the heroic one. Cause I tried that shit and it's fucking hard. (laughs) Maybe I was just a little too loopy on Bane meds, but I was not, it would have taken way too long to do it. So I had fuck this shit. I'll do it with Tristan when I'm sober. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, so there's the, I don't, yeah, it's the adventure up and up. And if you don't follow the, the, the path that you're supposed to and you go back into the far end of the zone, you actually, in the world without light or dark, you actually see uh, Saint-14, the greatest titan that was ever created, like lying down an altar surrounded by light and plants. And it's a very cool little story that you see. Um, but we don't know about that adventure yet we don't know about that content yet so that is what i'm really looking forward to because that's a if you read the grimoire from destiny one that's a character that you're like that dude sounds like he's badass and i want to know more about that character because he was also osiris's best friend uh, and only friend outside of his ghost so it seems like a fun story and a nice way to bookend it but who knows what the story is actually going to tell us i got his helmet that's all i care Oh, God, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that. And what was one of the other ones? I got one for my Warlock that was pretty freaking awesome. Um, the um, the one for the Rifts. They've, they've introduced some new mechanics that if everybody is wearing the Ion gear, kind of the Ion, isn't it? Or what is it? I thought it was Aeon. Aeon, whatever. Um, gear, you all get bonuses and so that's really cool. We haven't, uh, my son and I haven't tested just how effective it is yet, but we will be on the, uh, the nightfalls this week. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that'll go. Yeah. So for hunters, it gives you more dodge and the people that I game with my fire team will not let me have more dodge because then I'm just going to tumble ahead and kill more dudes first. So that's out of the question for me. Alrighty, and what else? What did you think of, without spoiling anything for anybody here, what did you think about A, the boss that you're fighting? Which again, let's not spoil anything, but oh, roughly speaking. Uh, but also the boss fights, especially the final boss fights. How did you feel about him? So this is biased because it was the, I was with uh, two friends from college, uh one do you know so it's uh the the community i'm with changes how i everything is better like it can be the worst day ever but it's still with these people so it's not so bad uh i thought the boss like i don't understand um 
there's something I'm missing in the story about like the Vex just want a future with only Vex. And like, I guess that's what I'm missing. Um, I guess there's something that this is not clicking for me, given some other stuff that I've read about the Vex in Destiny 1. Yeah, but that's said I, time and time again during this DLC. Yeah, it's just they want a world without Vex. But I thought it was like what their their plan was is something more fundamental than just literal Vex everywhere. Survival. I don't think it's that they want to be everywhere. I think that's our interpretation of it because everything else that I've I've seen referencing, even in Destiny 1 and 2 is that they want to, to write themselves in the very fabric of reality so they can't be killed. Right. And I'm trying, that's the part that I'm struggling with. Like, how does this dark future tie into that? And there's something about that's not clicking for me. Um, and it could just be that I'm missing something pretty obvious. You know, that's often the case. Uh, what I do really enjoy, I did enjoy the boss fight a lot, to be clear. I thought the mechanics were fun. Um, it was pretty much, the, you know, Destiny Basketball, which is the mechanic that they're going hog wild with. And also, when you're rocking a sniper rifle and you get a chance to shoot a Vex in the eyeball, you take it. Uh, and that's fun. And I don't Rocket care. launcher, you motherfucking. Oh, <laughs> uh, give me my sniper rifle. I God. like your sniper rifle. Uh, no, I was like running around there being pushed through the air with those things constantly with a massive fucking rocket launcher on my shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. My buddy was doing his with, he used the rocket launcher. I was a sniper or sword and our buddy and was supporting fire so it was just a lot of fun it was fun it wasn't particularly hard it, but i it was it was climactic it was like you're holding your own against this baddie and then osiris shows up to give support not to take the take the final kill which is something that in other mmo style games i have had a huge issue with um it, Destiny's problem is it does it to the extreme where it's like you are that guardian who is involved in everything from killing the hive god to killing this Vex mind that is super amazing. So, but give me that instead of like having the NPC kill the baddie because that fucking irritates the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, see, but yeah, we've had so many games where we would be ready to deliver the final blow and it would be, say, an Ikora or Zavala who does it instead. Now, I'm digging that we are the center of this story and that and that these iconic, powerful characters respect our character. That that speaks to the importance of your character in that world, and I kind of dig that. I like that. I also dig the fact that all of the characters, like the whole point of the campaign is to get the band back together. And I know the, you know, the friend game is the end game, whatever, but I, I've got to be honest. Like I love playing destiny by myself, you know, when no one else is around, but when I'm hanging out with my friends from, from college and we're just talking and shutting up during cutscenes and doing challenges that we dare each other to get done, that, makes this game so much more fun and i don't know what it is about this game that brings that out because it's not like i haven't played mmos before but with this it's just a completely different experience and it's just so much better well it's because your adrenaline is going so it's gotta be it your adrenaline's going so you're having fun like we have been <laughs> we've been having fun with laser tag 
<laughs> because <laughs> there's a bug with the Prometheus lens gun, which is a a fusion or a tracer. What's it labeled as? Linear fusion. Okay, so there's a bug. What happens is that when you are shooting it at the tail end where you're hitting, a ball of energy starts to form and grow and get bigger and bigger. And then what happens is that your target is taking your damage, but then anybody within that circle is taking AOE bleed damage as well. They're getting hit as well. And there's a bug wherein, for now, the person getting hit is also getting hit by the AOE circle. So they're oh dying fast. And what's happened as well... I'm thinking Bungie felt bad for fucking people over or getting caught fucking people over. So Zer was selling the Prometheus lens on Friday, which meant during the weekend in Crucible, it was laser tag. Everybody was playing. And initially, because I'd been killed by the fucking thing before Zer started selling it, I was thinking, this is not going to be fun. But I needed some for the Crucible milestones. I went, ah, oh, fuck it. So I went in and I'd bought it anyways. Turns out it's a fucking blast. I would love it if they implemented an arcade uh, Crucible version, kind of like what Overwatch does, just to have wacky shit kind of on the side and put that in so that you put your Guardians in and they don't have any access to any other guns except for one of those. Even if they don't own one, just give it to them for the Crucible, just so that it's laser tag and everybody's playing. Because oh God, that's a great mode. Exactly. It would it forces you to think differently about the game, the Crucible matches, which Crucible needs that because it's always the same fucking thing. So it kind of forced you to think differently because you still want to be in a group, but now you don't want to be too close to each other because you'll get that bleed effect of the AOE. So a good fire team would go in and at least three of them, they're still flanking like close to each other to flank you, but not too far. And then they get you in a nice triangle beam <laughs> with three or four hitting you. And it's literally an instant kill. And not only is it fun, it's a lot more running around zaniness, but it's fast. That's also what's good because now your crucible instead of lasting forever and dragging out because somebody's fucking hiding and they don't want to be the last person killed. No, everybody's jumping in and having a blast and it's done like that. I adored it. I would love it if the bug stayed in a while longer. You know, there's a, a piece from the Mida lore tab where Shax talks about what he will and won't do in the crucible. And I think this would like just call it Shaq's tag or whatever. Cause it seems like this would be not just be a fun mode to add, but a mode that is supported by the dialogue and the stuff that NPCs have done in the game prior, because Shaq's would totally do crazy shit like this. That's awesome. <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Before we head out, Joe, what did you think about the uh, DLC? Did you finish it entirely? Nope. Still working through it. I'm taking my time with it. Yeah. So what have you thought about what you've played so far then? I've been very content. Um, I don't necessarily think it is a expansion. Um, and I don't think, I, I think that calling it that is unfair. Um, I think it is simply a content update in MMO terms. Like it's, it's the next patch. Um, I, I'm happy with what's there. I just wish there was more. I guess that'd be the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I can see that. Again, it, I went into it because I got the season pass. 
that I was looking at this as one portion of the entirety of what would be an expansion kind of thing. I look at it kind of like a telltale game thing where you're getting your season, you're getting your episodes. I kind of looked at it as that so that for the entirety of what the season pass cause, if I'm getting a couple more of these, then I'll think it was money well spent. If not, then I'll think no. But for if they can continue this, if they can give us the equivalent for a Cadence of all the story, then that was, in my opinion, money well spent. Yeah, we're going to get a Cade story. There's no way we're not. But uh, the next big event is going to be the Dawning. And I also have to appreciate the fact that, like, Bungie's holding off on the next faction rally. By the way, Future Wolf Cult is the best cult. Y'all should join it. <laughs> um, no, because their shit is ugly. Their shaders are ugly. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Even their gear is ugly. I don't want to wear that shit. No, that's fair. Like, I do the Rosen Bone Ship with the future war cult shader looks awesome, but I digress. Uh, we're going to get it and we're going to the deep stone crypt. And when we do, Oh my God, like it's going to be it. They better fucking deliver. They don't have a, they're erasing a lot of goodwill that they built up over three years in destiny one. But the thing is this, like the destiny community is at once, like, like every other community, we love the game and we're dicks about it half the time. So uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm excited about what's going to happen. Definitely. Okay. Sean, parting thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm just enjoying the game so far. Um, I, I will say I did want I forgot to mention before was that I, when I was playing the game, I was like, oh, I'm, this is, this is a little bit difficult, but I'm glad I'm not facing the Taken. And then I got to that part of the campaign where the Taken showed up and I, I pretty much like a slow tear went down my chair. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Why don't you let the folks know where they can find you, Sean? Uh, if you want to. You can find me on Facebook. Um, my, my site's codeghostcreative.com. I do art and I do design on the side. And for folks who don't know, I was going to introduce Motherfucker if he'd been here on time. Of course, it wasn't his fault. Uh, but Sean is actually the original co-host for me when I started podcasting. Uh, over nine years now, the very first podcast before this, Sean was my first co-host, so we started out in this uh, together. So it's really great to have you on this episode, man. Thanks. I'm kind of upset that I got to miss the beginning, so I was going to introduce us as Buddha's Bar and Girl. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. So seriously, dude, we will have to have you on another time. Thanks for coming out. That's good. Thanks for having me. Okay, you can find the rest of us on Twitter at For the Lore individually. Joe is Loader ZJ, Vince is Samodian, Marty is Officer Gleason, and I, of course, in Zen Buddhist. And you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. And with that, we will see you guys next week for our year wrap up. Grab your coat and let's start walking. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Don't procrastinate, don't articulate, girl, it's getting late, you just sit right around. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.